This is Michigan Embedded Correspondent John Solberg, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. And welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things that are important to the world of barbecue and grilling. Originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings. Live fire, fun, and frivolity show. If you see fit to join me this evening through phone calls or emails, here's how you do that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now. If you have always wanted to learn a bit more about Argentinian live fire cooking, if you've wanted to learn more about Argentinian style cookers to produce Argentinian live fire cooking, and the first segment this evening is going to be right up your alley. First timer to the show and the, uh, hmm. I don't know if he's the owner of new K. I guess we'll have to get some clarity on that, but the guy that I know to be new K grills, Matt brothers will be joining us here on the show. Looking forward to chatting with Matt and talking about his Argentinian background the cookers, how it came to be, what he's offering currently in the marketplace, things like this. Then we will move to 35 past the hour. He was a first-time guest about five or six years ago. He'll be making his triumphant return back to the Barbecue Central Show jungle. A barbecue legend, somebody who has a family steeped in barbecue in general, but of course in Texas barbecue, sausage known throughout the land. Tim McKeska will be joining me once again. You might be asking yourself in these troubled times, we have seen meat a year ago. It was beef going out just out of whack on the brisket side of things. Fast forward a year later here in 2021, and has anybody seen higher pork prices? I can't recall the last time I went to go grab a two-pack of spare ribs from BJ's Wholesale Club, and it's damn near $60. For spare ribs? I mean, come on. $8 a pound or whatever it was? I about fell over the other day when I was in there. However, here to explain it all will be Tim McKeska. 
firmly keeping his finger on the pulse because this guy, he's not buying, you know, 12 or 100 briskets at a time. This guy buys truckloads of meat at a time. So he knows exactly what's going on. He will enlighten us all on what's going on with the brisket situation of 2020 and now the pork situation of 2021, what it all means to us, along with some ancillary avenues as well. So that'll be your first hour, then we'll move to the second hour. And while we were trying to get her on the last few times, the first time was a bit of an issue technologically, and the second time she ended up having to reschedule because she had some other business to attend to. But we have landed her this week. She'll turn it around pretty quick after that. The creator of the hardcore carnivore brand, Jess Priles, will be joining us. At 14 past the second hour. I would assume we have enough things to go into that 35 past segment, but I'm not going to commit that she's going to do the whole thing. We'll get through what we have together, and then we'll see how it unfolds from there. Now, if you want to go ahead and jump in on the show at any point after that, more than welcome to. We have passages to get through on the horse consumption book that we still haven't finished yet. All 16 and one half pages that aren't really pages, but at some day we will get through that. Some time this year we will get through it because that is my commitment to you. And that's how the show lays out this evening. Matt Brothers, Tim McKeska, Jess Priles. Don't forget you can follow me socially, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at BBQ Central Show. Snapchat at BBQ Central for a live video feed of the show. You can go to Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. Also one on YouTube slash RD Rempe. You can also get an ad-free podcast feed experience if you so desire in two different places. You can go to the show Patreon page and become a member there. We're actually growing a little bit, which is nice to see. That's uh, patreon.com slash BBQ Central Show if you desire or, like many of you, if you are a iTunes or iPhone user, you can go to the Apple Podcast app, and right there on the show page, you can see an option to subscribe, but you certainly don't have to do that. Totally up to you. Programming note, if you haven't already checked it out, I recorded a bonus episode this past Friday afternoon. I released it into the feed this past Saturday. It was with Ezreal Rappaport, the owner of UConn Glory, which happens to be the uh, the newest sponsor of the show. And I want to say this. If you are someone who has a product that you're thinking about getting to market, you will especially enjoy hearing this particular bonus episode content because Ezreal really breaks down what it takes to get something into the market. He goes over what they had to endure through the years of staying in business and adding products to the portfolio. It's really great. Please check it out if you haven't yet. It's in the podcast feed right now. And again, if you're somebody who thinks you can bring something to market that's going to fill a gap or fill a niche that's currently open, go back and listen to what Ezreal has to say about getting in business initially. This is a guy who started out owning a hardware store and a houseware store and eventually has become an online dominant site for accessories for grills and flat tops and everything in between. So make sure you check that out. All right, some listener feedback here before we get into the first interview segment. Stan in Virginia writes, Mr. Rempe, as this is my first email to your fine show, let me start off by saying I very much enjoy it, but mostly in podcast form. But no, 
No wait, no but. I just enjoy it. I was out at a Mexican restaurant in town for the first time I came across a particular dish offered on the menu. Chori Pollo. Of course, I ordered it. It was delicious. Thank you for all the hard work. I look forward to the next episode. Cheers, Stan. Look at you, Stan. You've done it. You've ventured out into the Chori Pollo world. You've joined the rest of us that have gotten on the Chori Pollo train. And trust me, this show is single-handedly bringing Chori Pollo onto the radar. It might be not directly on the middle of the radar. It is on the radar at this point. Trust me. More and more people privately messaging me, sending me emails. If you send me an email telling me that you've enjoyed Chori Pollo, unless you close out the email by saying, don't share this on the show, I'm going to share it on the show. So thank you, Stan. Robert in Virginia writes, Greg, who is the awesome voice who does some show intros for you? For example, the Jim Rome one. He used to do some voice work for a local sports show here, but I don't think they could afford him. Thanks. This master CBJ and prime SCA judge loves your show. I try to never miss an episode, but I am not tuning in. We'll do it live. <sighs> Andrew, you are not. the <gasps> I am not tuning in to hear any singing. <laughs> well, Robert, are you talking about this guy? You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast. And that guy. That's David Lee, the voice of Clear Channel, the voice of Westwood One Syndication, the voice of professional bull riding and professional motocross or whatever the hell they call it. Just go to davidleeimaging.com, I think it is. Believe me, you can afford him. If I can afford him, you can afford him. You can have David Lee image whatever the hell you want to image. John in Oregon writes, Greg, I think one of my favorite parts of the EC segment is when you all give your picks on something that is or is not going to happen. The added task of making it a 100% yes or 100% no answer makes it even better. By the way, no one is asking, but I agree with you and John on your picks concerning the Jack, the Royal, and the World Food Championships. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Thank you, John in Oregon. Tim in Kansas writes, Greg, I hate to go against you and John on your assurance picks for the 2021 Barbecue Majors, but you two are way off. You should listen to the two competitors of the show, Doug and Rusty. They are the ones who really know what's going on. You just keep talking and leave the competition stuff to the experts. Love the show, Tim in Kansas. Tim, do you love the show? Those are always the emails that make me wonder, do you really love the show? You just told me how wrong I was for like a paragraph, and at the end, you love the show. I'll take what I can. All right, Matt Brothers is in the green room. We'll get to him here in a second. But first, let me talk to you quickly about Yukon Glory and the Grill and Serve set. It's an absolute revolution when it comes to the landscape of grilling baskets. I've always hated two things about grilling baskets during the cooks. One, I have to wear something to take them off the cooker because they're really hot. Number two, it gets grease and oil all over my table or my counter or wherever I'm going to set it down to serve. Being someone who's a clean freak, this is something I really can't get down with. So what's a live fire cook to do? Well, you can go to Yukon Glory and get that grill and serve set. This patented design fixes everything. The set includes three stainless steel grill baskets, which are moved by a clip-on handle that seamlessly grips the interior of the basket for easy lifting and dropping. 
The set also has a large custom-fitted stainless steel serving tray to catch any drips and allow for a beautiful table presentation, but perhaps, in my case, more importantly, gives you a clean table when everyone's done eating. What should you cook on them? Glad you asked. They're perfect for veggies and seafood, wings, tacos, meats of all types. If you can think it, you can use the grill and serve system for it. As far as where to buy, Amazon, Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, Target. I would recommend going to yukonglory.com. There, you can use promo code 10CENTRAL, like 1010CENTRAL, all one word. You can get 10% off your entire order. So go to yukonglory.com or those other big box stores that I had mentioned and check it all out. Don't forget to check out Ezreal's bonus content as well. He's the owner of Yukon Glory that was released Saturday. Yukon Glory, happy to have him aboard here. Use the grill and serve last night. Making what? Tater tots on the grill because I'm seven. And yes, I use ketchup. All right, we're back. Uh, we're back with New K Grill Talk right after that. Stick around. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology, sellers of ceramic cookers with built-in power draft fans and accessories to make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit bbqguru.com for more information or call them at 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. My first guest tonight is looking to continue to spread the word of live fire uh, cookers, especially with his style of grill. We know pellet cookers, charcoal kettle cookers, gas grills, offset pits, and associated other types. But what about... Argentinian live fire cooking. Yes, something that looks cool and probably feels just as cool as you look at it. Here to talk about that style. And of course, his grill. His first timer to the show, Matt Brothers. Hey, Matt. Hola. How are you, How you my doing? friend? I'm doing absolutely I'm good, fantastic. Appreciate you making time for the show this evening. And before we, you know, before we get into talking about Nuquay and the styles of grills, how they work, all this good stuff. If you wouldn't mind giving us a little background on you and I guess some of the background on why specifically Argentinian cooking has struck a passion with you. Sure. Well, um, thanks again for having me. Um, I uh, have a about a 25-year relationship with Argentina. Um, I lived there for eight or nine years, and uh, while I was there, um, the the... You know, my wife is from Argentina, so I, I, I was my, my children were all born there. I have four of them. So I really kind of delved into the culture there um, and uh, was very, you know, was really immersed. My, my business was run from there and my family was there. So um, the the three things the Argentinians identify with, and, and I think most of them would, would agree with this. I don't think I want to offend anyone is football or soccer, um, grilling. And they're very proud of their of their uh, the the 
the female gender of Argentina. So that's, those are the three things they're going to talk about. Even the ladies will tell you that, so it's okay, honestly. <laughs> um, anyway, so while I was there, um, I guess, you know, missing the States and whatnot, it was really good to have a lot of friends. And um, one of the things that you always do with friends there are grills, or barbecues, or we call them asados. And uh, while I love the U.S. barbecue culture, I mean, you know, the... Uh, North Carolina barbecue, Texas pit barbecue, Kansas City barbecue. It's it's a fantastic culture. It's quite different. It really is. And in Argentina, I, I learned to, I really, you could say I became enamored of it. And uh, it's funny when I, the first couple of years, I would take my kids out of school and we had a, a little club that we would go to in the center of the city in Buenos Aires. And I was going to, I wanted to have a a daddy-son barbecue day. So I would take them out of school and I would want a cool fall day and I'd go to the barbecue area and I could never light the charcoal. <laughs> so one time I actually had to call a friend of my wife's husband and who lived nearby and say, hey, you know, come help me light the charcoal. Um, but the thing that, that eventually I learned how to light it and um, the, the thing about every event, every celebration, every... Uh, memorable moment in Argentina, there's a fire. There's always a fire. And it, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter what you put on it, but I will tell you that when I would send my five-year-old to a birthday party, um, afterwards, I, as well as the other fathers, would ask their kids, I'm sure, was there a fire? And yeah, there was a fire. They, they might have put 10-cent hamburger patties on there, but as long as there's a fire, it's a celebration. <laughs> um, and I just... You know, the way that they do it, the ceremony, the, the ceremonial aspect of it, kind of the steps that are generally followed, um, just became something I wanted to share with my friends in the United States. And when I did, they they asked me to, you know, can you get me one of those grills? Can we do this? Can we do that? And I eventually started doing it. And um, one thing led to another. And I started uh, a Real Fire Barbecue, which morphed into New K Grills. So you are living in... Argentina. Eventually, it sounds like you make your way back over here to the States. So as you're transitioning over, did you know for sure that this was going to be some kind of a, a business piece that you wanted to bring over? No, no, not at all. You know, it's um, I, uh, I I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll be happy to share with you how I had I had what, what I call a slow moving epiphany, um, which led me to, to start this uh, this venture. And I'm glad I did. Um, I, uh, my whole life, I've, I've built businesses um, with very levels of success and failure. You know, I've done real well at sometimes and real poorly at other times. And um, about three and a half years ago, I had a I had a health scare, and I was in the hospital for for a few days. Um, and I had time to think. I had time to kind of analyze. And I said to myself, you know, you love building businesses, you love people, you love, you know, the whole gastro scene, um, but, uh, or the culinary scene, you know, but uh, why can't you take your skills, and I'm talking to myself here in the third person, but, or, you know, um, in, in building businesses and in importing and factories and, and manufacturing and quality control and finance and these things and do something that you're passionate about. And um, my wife said, hey, knucklehead do what you want to do so um 
I uh, got to the hospital and I think 10 days later, I was on an airplane to Argentina and I interviewed a bunch of different factories and uh, started Real Fire Barbecue with the intention of bringing in uh, a varied uh, assortment of, of Real Fire grills. And I'll talk about the reason that I wanted to do Real Fire grills if you want. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the factory that had the vision, that shared my vision, and uh, we have something in, in Spanish, it's called afecto societatis. It means when you, when you and your partners have a, a, a common goal and a common understanding, uh, it was Nuke all the way. They're the guys that uh, they think uh, they, they were prepared to do what it takes to, to export to the United States. And we ended up being a, a single brand company, and um, now we're partners. So they 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 are are my they own half the company in the United States. So I can I guess I could say I'm officially the factory. Your previous background kind of lends itself to being able to fly down to Argentina and, and get some of these meetings and, and know what you're looking for. Where, like, if I was yeah. going to get into it, I, I would be, you know, a number of hurdles behind you as you get over this. So that certainly plays to your favor and, and helps you. Um, well, you're able to use your expertise in order to, to ramp up this whole learning curve and identify somebody you're going to partner with. So did you ever consider building somewhere else or, or having some other, you know, uh, whether it be, you know, looking at China or, or Eastern or, or did it have in order mm. to be authentically argentinian it, it had to come from argentina or did you even look at potentially building it here uh greg i've been to china over 60 times um, in my life and um i have a multitude of close relationships in china and a lot of experience manufacturing there um and i could make it cheaper there um i'm glad i didn't because of the freight costs now are absurd <laughs> but um this was uh it was a passion it started off as a passion project um and it still is and i i you know i I joke about it i say sometimes that i'm an evangelist for the argentinian culture i don't want you to accuse uh to confuse evangelism for argentinian culture with event with any other kind of evangelism you know but um i uh um I don't think that the Argentinian culture and the way of doing things is any better or any worse than anywhere else, but it's something that I'm passionate about. And um, if I was going to do it anywhere else, I would do it in the U.S. Um, I wouldn't. I would not export this other than to to Argentina. I wouldn't mind doing it in the U.S. The costs right now are prohibitive. We've looked at it and we're still looking at it. Um, but no, it's uh, the authenticity. Uh, with all the challenges that that implies, is is important to me to make it in Argentina. Matt and Brothers, I have great partners. Of course. Uh, Matt Brothers joining us here on the show, NukeBBQ.com. So uh, if you're listening, just type in Nuke, N-U-K-E, uh, Nukea, but forget about all the Spanish stuff, NukeBBQ.com, and you can check out what we're talking about here. So are you able to talk a little bit about what you're – currently offering from a, a product sure. standpoint and, and paint that metal yes. picture for the folks that are just kind of catching it on podcast. And I can flash some pictures here while you're talking as well for okay. the live folks. Yeah. Let me just, um, I just want to mention one thing. The, yep. the name Nuke, which is pronounced it, 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 and it, in English to spell it, it would be like N Y U K E. Nuke. Um, the, 
where that comes from is it, it's a in the Mapuche, which is a, a native people's language in Argentina, um, typically from the south of Argentina. Um, it means Mother Earth. And the way that Nuke got its start about 20 some years ago is by um, is with a United Nations project building um, wood fired stoves and heaters for energy deprived uh, native people in the south of Argentina. Um, it's a father and son team, uh, Marcos and, and Jorge D'Artiguelongue. Um, and they started the company. And uh, so anyway, that's where the name comes from. But yeah, uh, you wanted me to talk a little bit about the product itself? Yeah, um, there's a couple different ones that I think are the, the two sure. like target products that you're selling right now. Well, we have, I have three products that I'm excited about. One is by far the majority of our sales, which is the Delta. And the Delta is a fantastic grill. It's it's really, really sturdy. Um, it ships at 316 pounds. And I think once you take the pallet off, it's about 300, uh, 280 pounds. Um, it's, uh, the, the things that make it an Argentinian grill are the fire basket that you see on the right-hand side, which is where you're going to burn your coals or your charcoal or your wood. And it's going to fall through the cracks with some usually some prodding uh, by the, the, the griller. And then you're going to spread it around, um, and you're going to constantly manipulate it. Uh, the, you can see the grill goes up and down. So by virtue of the fact that you can spread the coals around to create intense heat for searing, indirect heat for, well, cooking indirect, indirectly, um, and, and elevating and lowering the grill, it's about an eight, eight inches um, gives you. You can. Um, it's really made for people who want to play with fire. Um, if, if you... Uh, want to, you know, put a bunch of coals in there and light a match and set a timer, this grill is not for you. Mm. It really isn't. It is for the alpha person who just wants to, to, to make their own creation and have it clear that it's their creation. You know, it's very versatile. It comes with a griddle that you can do. You know, uh, I do vegetables for my wife on it. Um, and uh, sometimes people choose to... Uh, use wood sometimes people choose to use lump charcoal um i have never used like the the Briquettes. chemically treated charcoal i that's kind of against what we <laughs> what we what we preach what i what i'm evangelical about so um and then there's the the puma which is uh it's the delta on steroids and this answers the question of the v grates versus the round grates it's a it's a huge issue in Argentina. It's funny. People will argue about it all the time. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, Dallas or, 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 or Washington, you know, um, you know, football wise. It's um, the V greats are often called traditional Argentinian greats. But um, a lot of traditional Argentinian grillers would disagree with that. Uh, what they do is they they allow you to cook with a lot less fat Um and they have the fat, you know, that runs off. This is a, the, the thing about the Puma, which is fantastic, is that it allows you to truly cook over fire because the elevation capability that you get is it's like three feet, I think, more or less. I mean, it's really, really high. So you can actually light fire there and cook over, you know, fire or you can, you know, cook over charcoal. Um, somebody told me the other day, yeah, but they said, Matt, you have to use so much charcoal to coat the whole you know, the whole base of it. Now, and I, I said, yeah, because it's a really big grill. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, and uh, you can get very, very creative with, with, with both of them, but especially with the Puma. 
Um, the Puma, you know, I think we're retailing it now. I think the price just went up a little bit because of our cost changes to like 27 something. But, um, you know, I see our competitors out there, which are great. There's some great grills out there, really nice stuff. But it's like five, $6,000, you know. Um, so it's, it's, it's a little more, you know, cost prohibitive. You said there were three products. Were you going to talk about one of the others? Oh, or? One thing that I'm really excited about, but we, we don't sell a lot of, and I really think we should sell more, is the oven. The Oven 60 is a, I mean, it's a beast. That thing is, um, you know, you use wood. There's a cooking chamber, uh, you know, a fuel chamber underneath where you, you use wood. Um, and it's uh, on top, there's the, the cooking chamber. And there's two exhaust systems, so the vapor and the smoke never mix. But we do have a smoke box that you can put in the cooking chamber to create a smoking effect if you want. Um, but because of the way that it's uh, that it's designed, there's an enveloping heat that's not so different from like a convection oven. Um, but you know, for campsites, for outdoor cooking, you could put a small pig in there. You could put a massive turkey. You could put you know you could put a 25 pound brisket in there easily. Um, it's it's a great and I cook I cook pizzas on it I cook I cook on it all the time and um, it, it hasn't had the uh, hasn't gained the notoriety that the Delta has yet but I think it will eventually. Matt, what's the end game here? Are you trying to? Are, is it solely? Let me back up for a second. Is it solely online at this point from a retail? No, you know we have about fifteen or twenty dealers around the country that have stock you know in 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 their stores and bricks and mortar. Um, and I always thought that this was a grill that people would, because of the cost involved, people would really need to kind of touch it and feel it and, and look at it before they would buy it. But the truth is, is that we're much more successful online than we are in bricks and mortar. Um, I'm not, I, and I can't, I don't, I, I don't know why. I mean, I have 27 years experience in sales and marketing and I can't figure it out. You know, barbecue guys has done extremely well, uh, for us. Uh, they're, you know, they're great people, too. They're easy to work with. They're, uh, you know, um, took me a while to get in there, but they're they're really good people. And they've done great. And, you know, a bunch of companies have done great. We're, we're Lowe's is selling it. Home Depot's selling it. Oh, wow. uh, Beach Camera. We, you know, we're doing, thank God, we're doing really well with it, with it. All right. So let me ask the question I just asked and then took back. What's the end game? Is it to add oh. more products? Is it to take over this sector and be widely considered the best Argentinian grill on the face of the earth. What do you think? Well, my, my wife would like a new car. Um, but, uh, you got to wait for that. Greg, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have an exit strategy as of yet. Um, I really love talking about grills and I love grilling and uh, I love being associated with this. And, um, I love the fact that it's growing and it feels good. It's something I wake up in the morning. I enjoy doing, and we've won a lot of awards. You know, food and wine has given us uh, one review and one award. Amazing ribs gave us a great award last year. Uh, I mean, really God, you know, uh, Max good from, from amazing ribs is just amazing. All those guys are, uh, we've had, um, uh, I think Derek Riches oh, had quite a, a write-up. Yeah, Derek uh, Riches has done some work with us, here. right? Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, he did a great job. You know, he. Did, so we the, we're getting all this with this notoriety, and the, you know, the thing that really got me the most excited was, um, I believe it was Food and Wine that did their best of 2020, and they called us the best Gaucho Grill. 
and it wasn't so much that they called us the best gaucho grill, but that it was, I called my partners and I was like, guys, we're a category. You know, I right. started this three years ago and everybody was like, you know, Argentinian grilling or gaucho grilling or live fire grilling. But they actually created a category, best gaucho grill. And, I, and that to me was huge. That was that was probably the most satisfactory moment in, in, in what we've done so far. Look, if you're interested, go to the website, newkbbq.com, N-U-K-E-B-B-Q.com, and see the live fire cookers that they have there. Uh, you can go and read the reviews that Matt just mentioned as well. And then, you know, it, live fire cooking is, has never been more popular than it has been, especially over the last year and a half or so. And Matt is fitting right in there. Matt, really appreciate the time and the look into how this whole thing got started. Uh, continue success. We'll look to have you on again soon. Oh, whenever you like. Thank you so much, Greg. Love the show, by the way. I appreciate it. There he is. Right there, Matt Brothers from New K Grills, N-U-K-E-B-B-Q.com. And I believe uh, it was a number of months ago, but Derek Riches did uh, do a good write-up. So maybe next month we'll ask him to rehash that as well. As And he had the Puma, I think. That was the big one that Matt was talking about. You have a lot of great adjustment there, and you can cook a, a multitude of things. I mean, what's more manly than sitting down or sitting down, standing up and getting that firebox going, having your wood burn down and then scatter the coals all over the place? Come on. That's awesome. And half the price of some of the other cookers that he was talking about? Sounds good to me. Matt, I'll take five. Here we go. Tim McCaskey is in the green room. I'll get to him here in just one second. I'll talk to you about Yoder Smokers. Designing and building all of their products right here in the States. Building pride through craftsmanship and world-class customer service. That's the backbone of how they've built the company. This approach translates into what can be a truly bespoke-style product that elevates gatherings with friends and family. They're honored to have a trusted place in the backyards of America. From pellet cookers to wood-fired offset pits or Charcoal Grill's consistent blue ribbon flavor has become synonymous with the Yoder Smoker name. Make no mistake, Yoder Smoker's flavor-driven design is unique to each style of pit, and the team has developed their cookers to perform time and time again while outlasting the competition for generations to come. It's this generational thought that's rooted in the handmade products that defines the integrity of the core values. American-made quality, endless flavor. Those are the benchmarks of Yoder Smoker's. Where do you find them? Yodersmokers.com. That's Yodersmokers.com. Go ahead and visit it and then pick the one that is best for you. We'll be talking about meat, pricing, salespeople, and maybe address some rumors here in just a second. Stick around. We'll be right back. Listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And welcome back. This portion of the show brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. 
Visit cookinpellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also visit Amazon to purchase as well, if you prefer. One of the items that really can make or break a backyard barbecue or a barbecue restaurant is reputation for what? Sausage. That's right. My next guest knows all about it with generations of experience. He's been on once before, and he rejoins the show. Tim McKesson. Hey, Tim. Hey, Greg. How are you, pal? I'm doing well. Great. Happy to have you back and talk some I'm barbecue here. Back. So, um, honor is mine. Back. The honor is mine, and that's <laughs> let's just leave it at that. So, you know, last time you were on, we talked a lot about your history and in the barbecue business, and you know, a, a family history that goes back was it 50 years or 60 years uh, or, or whatever it was back then maybe even longer, 100 so um there were other topics that have just come up here over the last couple of years were in these uncertain times and troubled times and one of the things that we've noticed and i maybe did a bonus content as the pandemic was hitting there was this talk of a meat shortage and it was meat across the board there wasn't going to be any ground meat there wasn't going to be any regular meat and everything in between was going to be gone i don't know if that necessarily really panned out or if it did it was very short-lived however last year we've seen prices skyrocket on certain things this year we're seeing prices skyrocket on certain things and certainly there's no better expert in the industry to talk to about pricing because of your fingers in it, your experience with it, and how much you're buying on a on a daily, weekly basis. So, what is going on with the high prices at the, at this point? Well, you know, it's supply and demand. I know that's the theme for so many things is supply and demand. But the the underlying cause for all of this madness is people want their barbecue grade. They want their barbecue, especially and, now. Uh, bar- yeah, barbecue is a chic thing, and uh, it's a comfort food. And man, did we need comfort the last year and a half? Yeah. We needed comfort, and people uh, went to the store and they bought tons of it, and they still buying tons of it. And uh, it's it's been a unique challenge. Is it surprising that the demand can't be met, or is it because so many people <laughs> are home and literally forced to cook? And then exploring yeah. different ways to cook, stumble into barbecue, because I think we all agree that aside from some very few portions of the barbecue industry, and that would be mostly restaurants if they weren't able to pivot in some form or fashion, but everybody else had banner years the last couple of years because of this whole thing. Yes, uh, barbecue is a big business and it's gotten bigger every year. In fact, pre-COVID, uh, we were at 15% above demand uh, for January of 2019, when COVID, in, J- in January of 2020, we were still at 15 to 20 percent in demand for, for, for beef. And you know, I, what I talk about mostly is about the choice USDA choice brisket because there's a lot of cutouts we have to deal with. There's so many different things, but, but in my business, you know, I, I can talk about pork later and, and what's going on. You know, that's a whole different animal. But the beef is the is the problem what we're facing right now because demand is high. Is there an end in sight? Uh, well, you know, where are these vegans at? Oh, uh, I get, I get, Uh-oh. you know, do you get hate mail, Greg? Do you get hate mail? 50 or 60 a week. Uh, so once a quarter. So I get this bulk email 
Uh, you know, I, I, hey, I love everybody. You can eat what you want. I don't care if you eat tree bark. You know, sure. whatever you want to eat is what you want to eat. Uh, but about once or twice a year, I get this twelve hundred bulk email from this uh, people calling me evil because I, I, you know, I I vendor beef. You know, and I don't engage them. I, I I teach social media to restaurants in our NBBQA, and I I also tell them I said you know don't engage people in social media, don't do that. But I specifically engage, engaged a few of them back in I believe May, and I said, "Where well, you guys? You guys aren't doing very good because beef is up, and you need to kick it in gear a little bit and take some pressure off of all of us <laughs> that need the beef because we're still fifteen or twenty percent ahead of demand." And it's funny, I was expecting to get you know I only I only replied I think it was twelve hundred in the email string. I think I only replied to like twelve. Not a one replied back. So you got to kick it up, man. We need some relief. Uh, Tim, you had sent me some graphics to maybe further explain what's going on. Can I flash those up here and you can talk us through it? Well, a little bit? Can, I, can I give you just a real quick history where we're at here? Why? Yeah, please go ahead. So, it, like I said, we were up 15 to 20% pre COVID uh, data. And then February, March of 2020, COVID hit. And what devastating it was. The first to close was restaurants. Okay. Those are the first to close. And demand shifted on briskets from the restaurants to the retail sector. Now, remember, there's two sectors there's food service at 55% and retail grocery at 45%. So the packers. They move their product to the retail grocery. Why they do that? Because it's guaranteed. Yep. You don't know when that guy is going to call and ask, order 20 cases of brisket. But you know that when you take six to 10 loads, which is 40,000 pounds per load to a grocery retailer, you know it's guaranteed. So brisket went down a little bit in March and April of, of 2020 because the Packers weren't sure what was going to happen. And then people went panic buying. They'd go buy all the brisket they could and 1,500 rolls of toilet paper. Uh, you know, it was panic buying. And so now all of a sudden demand increased. People wanted their barbecue. That's a common theme in what I'm speaking about. They wanted their barbecue. They wanted their brisket. So uh, smart barbecue operators, a lot of the restaurants got real smart. And, and, and what they did is they kept their businesses open through to-go, through online deliveries, uh, they did that to keep the bills uh, being paid, and, and some didn't make it at all, Greg. Some of them just shut down. Those that were on the small margin, just barely able to make it when COVID hit, they just surrendered because rent continues, labor continues. It's it's a tough thing. So then everything was going pretty good in regards to the to-go business and the delivery business, and then COVID hit the meat processing plants. When the COVID hit the meat processing plants, it was devastating. Uh we were already now at 35% demand increase. And now with COVID in the meat processing plant, meat processing plants, when they had to close, that subtracted 50 to 60% of the supply chain immediately. Wow. Uh, now with the with the processing plant closed, the feedlots, the cattle feedlots, they had nowhere to go with their cattle. So they had to continue to feed them. Cattle got fat. Uh, the farmers, God bless the farmers, the ones that should be making money uh, who I wouldn't mind paying these high prices if I knew farmers and ranchers got it, they were having to pay 20 to 30% more in feed prices. Mm. And they had nowhere to go with their cattle. The markets were closed. So they had to hold them longer. They had to, their herds got bigger. And inflation, everything on the farm got more expensive. Yes, cattle did go up. Live weight cattle did go up, but not enough to compensate the farmer from what happened. So then, as the barbecue restaurant started to slowly open, there wasn't a whole lot of brisket in the supply chain. Your your 
John Doe Pitmaster would pick up his phone, call his supplier. I need 20 cases of brisket. Don't have them. Mm. What do you mean you don't have them? Just don't have them. And that was the problem. They couldn't get it because it was short supply. People wanted their barbecue, but the brisket, the, the sauce, the, the pit masters just could not get the product in. So they had to be, they had to search and look for where they needed to get their brisket from. And uh, again, supply and demand. So through time from uh, early 2020 to right about now, beef remained at a record pace all across the board from ground beef to all the cutouts, everything was selling well. And it was, I think, again, it had to do a lot with people wanted to eat. They were at home. And it was a comfort food. Yep. Uh, now, as the plants began to reopen, the problem when the USDA plants, uh, packing plants began to reopen, they had to be less dense. They couldn't have people elbow to elbow in their processing. And so things slowed down. They had to spread out. And so slaughter numbers went down. So as the slaughter numbers went down, again, we had a supply chain interruption. So, you know, you can bring up that uh, – uh, that pricing graph. So during this time, you can see uh, the 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 current blue line on that top brisket USDA 120 Decaloff boneless. As you can see in April, it started climbing. If you take a look at the pink one or magenta, I guess for last year, you can see how high it yeah. spiked yep. in May and June. And then as you go down uh, to this current. You see that it stabilized through January, and then what the heck happened in April? So, I tell you what happened. JBS, one of the four major players in all this, had a cyber attack. I'm not sure how cyber attacks affect this business. I question it. I'm sure there's a lot of technical parts to that, that answer, and I don't know it. But to the person that's cutting that carcass and peeling that brisket off that carcass, I don't know why that would interrupt the process. But anyway, JBS shut down. So I saw briskets, as you can see, uh, they were in the $4, $4.50 range. Uh, in the retail part, what we call the cutting board value of what that person is paying on the cutting board, the highest I saw was $34 a pound wow. at the restaurant. Did you see what kind of prices did you see? I know you eat barbecue. Did you uh, see any of those prices? Um, I didn't see them that high, but maybe you know eight to nine dollars less. Yeah, so twenty four to you know twenty eight dollars was kind of the norm. But I did have some pit masters in the thirty four range, and I asked him. I said, "How y'all doing with that?" He goes, "Tim, they don't say a word." Now, why is that? People wanted their barbecue, and you know. Technically, I you know if it's really good, I'll pay thirty four dollars a pound for it. But I'm gonna have to think about it a little bit. Yeah, it's got to be know, really good expensive. for thirty four dollars a pound. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but now it's back down. Uh, even though we've got this another uptick, you can see from that graph, we've got this another uptick going on, and uh, that's probably pre Labor Day uh, uh, values. You know, there's four there's four holidays that affect uh, a brisket, and it's St. Patrick's Day, it's Memorial Day, the Fourth of July. And Labor Day, I guess you're aware of that. That's the brisket runs this runs this gamut through that, and it's important to know when to buy. And so, I guess you have you talked about the four companies that that run this market, eighty percent of the beef market. No, not really. Yeah, well, let's hope they don't come after me. Uh, Tyson Foods, <laughs> uh, Cargill, uh, JBS, yep. and National control eighty percent of this market. Uh, I don't know how that happened. I don't know. I thought we had antitrust laws to protect. Are us they in that. cahoots with know. each other? Do you think? Do they do? Will they get together and set prices gonna, potentially? 
I'm not going to say. I mean, I, allegedly, know, reportedly. I, you know, uh, just look at their look at the companies. Look at those four companies' annual sales and profits. I mean, they're public companies, so you can see it. They speak for themselves. They're making a heck of a lot of money. And who's not making the money? Those farmers. God bless them. Those farmers and ranchers. They need to be, and they're not. And so, right now, wh- where are we at now? So, uh, for instance, I ship you know, five to six tons of, of sausage up to Chicago. Uh, I used to pay 18, 19, 17 cents in there for a pound to ship uh, a U.S., you know, refrigerated truck. Now it's up to 32, 33 cents. That's, that's a big, that's a big hickey there. Yeah. And the reason is that is because of fuel, you know, and then as you know, we've talked before about the supply chain is interrupted by just not supply and demand, but the labor market, you know, you don't have people producing the parts that run those plants. A friend of mine works in a, in a plant, and he told me, he says, you know, we had our conveyor broke down. We couldn't get the parts. Our catch weight scale, the scale that, that, that weighs that box, puts the label on that box, it broke down. He said they were hand filling out boxes of weights, and he <laughs> says it was a nightmare. And so, uh, you know, did they take advantage? Who, who was supposed to be getting paid? I don't know. But I do know that uh, the farmers and ranchers, they, they should be. You know, and, you know, you, you have a lot of consumers that watch this show. Yeah. And what can consumers do? How do you get their prices? And you talk to consumers, they don't see those because grocery stores really have special pricing. You know, brisket is a losing pro- proposition to a lot of these big grocery retailers. They, they'll lose 10 or $15 uh, for a brisket just to get you in there. Hopefully, you're going to buy 10 other items that have a 300% increase in, in, in value. Hmm. So what do you do? Just be careful and watch. And there's nothing wrong. Have you ever talked about frozen product? And, you know, there's some sort of a, uh, uh, a, a stigma about frozen briskets. Uh, there's nothing wrong with frozen briskets. You know, some of these Texas pitmasters have gotten so, you know, you know, I don't say be uppity, but they're they're so special, I guess you could say, that they everything is fresh. So there's really nothing wrong if you have to buy a frozen brisket. The most important thing a consumer can do when they buy meat, whether it's a choice, a select, or prime, is to make sure that bag, the cryovac vacuum bag, stays intact. As long as that bag stays intact and you don't throw it around, uh, and get a leak in it, that thing can last a long time. And so I tell consumers just to be, you know, be careful about what you what you buy and be careful with the product that you buy. Make sure you've got a good freezer. There's nothing wrong uh, with with having frozen briskets. Some pitmasters think they're evil. I'm not sure exactly why, but you know, in our in my family, you remember we bought we'd buy uh, six to eight loads a quarter. So we were buying. Uh, 320,000 pounds of brisket every quarter as a family. So I'm very blessed to have been in this family that that knew when to buy. And so we didn't buy on those holidays, these upticks in market. We had brisket stored. And that's how my father, Rudy McCuskey, and his five brothers got to be really successful. They were smart mm-hmm. and they knew what they were doing. Tim, is the same thing for pork? We don't have a ton of time to, to get no, over pork, through the pork, yeah, but it's really high right now. Yep. Yeah, eight. It's we we export eight million dollars worth of pork a year. Exports are crazy high. Now you can go buy a pork loin and a bone a bone in pork, but still pretty cheap in the grocery store. But I can't. Uh, pork trim, as 
I don't even know if it's 50 to 60% higher. Uh, picnic trim that we use, picnic shoulder trim for our sausage, it's all high. Trim itself is high. And we export, you know where this all pork goes to, don't you, Greg? No. China. China and Malaysia are the biggest pork. Uh, uh, they buy more pork than anybody else in the country, in the, in the world, from the United States. They love pork. So they love pork. And, and you know, before I go here, I want to say, you, you've had Andrew Bloom on your show before, haven't you? I have not. You know Andrew from Wichita, Pack. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Andrew, oh, yeah, yeah. Andrew, Pack. yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes, I have. Yes, yeah. yeah. A while back. So, so I want to tell my pitmaster friends out there to remember something. Uh, be kind to these salespeople, the salesmen and saleswomen <laughs> in these businesses. Because think about people that have to pick up a phone all day long and call uh, pitmasters and, and restaurants and tell them we don't have it. You know, that's a miserable day when you had yelled at 20, 30 times a day. People like Andrew Bloom and Mark Gowan at Wichita Pack, and they're really good at what they do. And they want to sell you product. They don't want, they want to sell it to you. But guess what? They don't have it. If they don't have it, they don't have it. Uh, my cousin works for a, a, a major wholesaler. And, you know, he was telling me that, that they were upset with him because he didn't have a cup. This customer wanted this cup, and he didn't have it. And he goes, well, why don't he? goes, they don't have it. The labor force isn't there to produce it. It's a tough business. But the... But it all boils down to this. Barbecue is a huge business, and uh, and it has gotten so big, and the, and the demand is there, and it's going to continue. Why? Because people want their barbecue. Tim, before I let you go, if you have a couple minutes and you can address it, I like to keep my finger on the pulse of the community, and I've been hearing some things from folks uh, within this biz. Your name's semi-attached to it, so... Let's see if we can't get the straight answer from the horse's mouth here. Can you confirm or deny the rumor going around that a large national corporation has asked you to be one of the, as we like to say on the show, top men for a national brand barbecue concept? Huh. <laughs> you, you know, you you, uh, you think you live in this big globe of, and you think business is so big that, you know, you think, this is a big world we're in, but it turns out we're in a pretty small world and the barbecue business is even smaller. Uh, yes, uh, I'll give you that scoop. That's the second scoop I think I've given you in the last couple of years. Yes. Uh, I can't say a whole lot, but you know, it's always an honor when somebody says they want you uh, and they, they want you at the top of the company. And I thought about it. Uh, first of all, I said, do you have the right guy? You know, and they said, yeah, we've been watching you for years and all that. And and uh, the perks were, were great, you know, and uh, you know, there was a lot of things involved with it. And I thought about it. I did. I, I didn't take it lightly because it was, uh, it was, I like the challenge, Greg. It's not about the money. And it's not about having the corporate airplane. I got one of those. Right. You know, it's not about the perks, you know. I got all those. It's the fact that it's the challenge that, that, that made me think about it. But at the same point, I would be doing a disservice to all of those customers of mine. I would be putting pressure on those customers. You know, you, I try, I always, if you heard me talk on other programs, I've said, you know, some of these fast food companies should be out of the barbecue business. You know, you put too much pressure. You don't do it very well. So you need to be out of it and give it back to us that knows what they're doing with it. I would have been on the other end of that. Huh. And it would have been huge. But I thought about it and I said no. That's it. 
It's interesting, only like three or four family members even know that. I don't know how stuff got out, but I did have some crazy emails about it. Was Did the name rhyme with Schmarby's? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no. All right. No. We, no, we could guess no, like no. this all night, Tim, of course. All right. Well, I yeah, appreciate yeah. you um, talking about that. Rule number one of the show, of course, no names, please, and uh, we'll certainly abide by that. Uh, visit Tim's website, by the way, if you are so inclined, McKeskaBrands.com. And Tim, uh, it's been too long since we've gotten caught up. You're certainly a, a source that I value within the industry, and uh, I will do my part to make sure we do this uh, much more frequently, my friend. Appreciate you coming on tonight. Always great talking to you, Greg. Take care. There he is, Tim McKeska. How great is that guy? I mean, does he know everything? I think so. Safe to say. So if you were wondering what the deal on brisket was over the last year or so, now you know. Next time we'll talk about pork. Because again, two racks of St. Louis spares at damn near $60. I mean, you got to be kidding I know when I'm getting jammed up. And I know when I won't eat pork. Like when it costs that much, I won't eat it. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. We love that you can get rip-roaring hot for the traditional grilling meats. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cookers? The ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking, very important for both the professional and the backyard cook. It's the easiest way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire in a round ceramic cooker, not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. Enter Primo Cooker and their game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute the two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you all the other ceramic benefits as well. Really When you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to configure the Primo Cooker, so you're only limited by your culinary imagination. We know the lift hinge has been revamped. We love that. We know that the air dampers have been revamped. We love that. But you're wanting more and more and more. Primo has you covered. The most anticipated accessory to date is out. You can get it now. The Primo Grill Rotisserie turns out great food, including everyone's favorite chicken. With ease, go online to primogrill.com or check one out at your local Primo dealer. Pizza accessories should be coming out here shortly as well. Bottom line is this. They have the best ceramics in the business, patented technology, true two-zone cooking capabilities, multiple sizes. If you just have to have a round one, they have that too, but please consider the oval design. I mean, it's what sets them apart. Primogrill.com. That's primogrill.com. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion being brought to you by Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, Fireboard 2 Pro. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or Bluetooth. Fully smart speaker and smart whatever integrated Alexa and Google Assistant. Fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232 and get yours today. They're the best. Fireboard 2, Fireboard 2 Drive, Fireboard 2 Pro. All right, thanks to Tim McKeska. Once again, McKeskaBrands.com is the website. 
Get yourself some sausage or find out which barbecue restaurant is serving his sausage, and a lot of them do, if you didn't know. Go ahead and refresh your libations. We're ready to rock and roll here for the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back.